What's up, everyone? Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Prairie in Smith podcast. It's Thursday, February 22nd, and we're excited to bring you episode 184 of the show. We're getting close to 200. It's coming up uh, in just a few short months. But today is our annual NFL Draft Combine episode. But, Kaden, before we get to that, we got to talk about what went down yesterday. We saw the college football playoff, the changes announced, and, you know, really from the group of five side of things, uh, we saw a lot of mixed reactions. There were some positive reactions, but there was also a lot of vitriol around the changes from the six plus six model to the five plus seven model. Yeah, it's definitely interesting hearing all these varying opinions about the different models, but I feel like at the end of the day, a seat at the table is better than nothing at all. I think for years, we've been seeing with the four-team playoff that there's Barely even a chance for a group of five team to rise enough in prominence to get in there. And the fact that there is now a, a guaranteed seat at the table for a group of five conferences, definitely something to celebrate. You can obviously want more and more and more for the group of five conferences. But as we're looking specifically with the Sun Belt in the future of just the entire dichotomy of college football, I think the more separation we're seeing from some of these big schools, the, the more we should celebrate these small victories of having that seat at the table and having the chance to potentially see a Sun Belt team eventually in that college football playoff here soon. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, Caden, you're right. Uh, Getting a guaranteed spot is worth something. Now, how long is that spot going to last? You know, there's only two more years left on this college football playoff. And it was interesting. I talked to several sources that I have around several Sunbelt programs, the conference office. And, you know, the one thing that I heard is, you know, at the end of the day, the reason this decision was made, because I think some fans say, hey, it's not advantageous because you would have been guaranteed two spots after the the Pac-12 dissolved. But I think this was a negotiating tactic in hopes that when we get two years down the road, that the the Sun Belt or, or group of five conferences are not left out after, you know, what could have been an angering process of trying to keep it as a six by six model. So definitely interesting to kind of see. And, you know, I think for the group of five, it, it definitely is a bit of a gamble, uh, you know, hoping that in two years that things are going to be in place. But We'll talk about that more throughout the offseason, but before we get to today's show, I uh, want to talk about a little bit about our last episode. Uh, we jumped into the coaching carousel that's seen five Sunbelt head coaches depart their programs this year, including the latest Sean Elliott, uh, 24-7 Sports' Ben Moore joined us to talk about what led to Coach Elliott leaving, and then obviously, Caden, you and I spent some time just talking about the, the coaching carousel in general, so if you haven't listened to it, definitely would suggest going back and giving it a listen. But on today's show, we are going to break down and give you the outlook for the seven Sunbelt players that will be participating in the NFL Combine next week. Marshall and Troy right now lead the way with two players apiece, while Southern Miss, Georgia State, and Louisiana each are going to boast a player participating. But Ken and I know the NFL Draft is one of your favorite events to cover. It's one of your favorite events of the year, a chance maybe for your your Giants to get a little bit better. It doesn't seem like that ever materializes, though. But uh, the NFL Draft, you know, we get to see stories like Brock Purdy, who goes on to play in the Super Bowl, and we've seen a number of Sunbelt guys uh, go on to make a name uh, and a living in the NFL. And I got to admit, I'm excited to see the the next success story out of the Sunbelt. Yeah, definitely. No, the part of the draft I definitely have come to not enjoy is watching the Giants make their selections historically. But I think growing up, I was always an NFL guy. I didn't really become a college football guy until I started playing the game. And then just when it comes to offseason content, I've really become a fan of the NFL draft process and seeing these players get evaluated, these guys 
for specifically in the Sun Belt, we've been covering a lot of their career, seeing their success at the college level, and then just that anticipation and excitement of seeing them make it to an NFL team and hopefully be successful in their career. So I think it's just the perfect bridge between college and NFL football, how those worlds collide. And I just cannot wait to talk about not just these Sun Belt guys, but the entire process leading into April. Hey, I got to admit, Kane, I did see a, a, a trade, a mock trade today that maybe had the number one overall pick heading to the New York Giants and maybe Caleb Williams uh, donning the blue and white. So we'll have to uh, see how things play out in the NFL draft in April. But we promise you a preview of the NFL Combine for the seven Sunbelt prospects. And Kane, I got to admit, I think this is a, a huge week upcoming for the Sunbelt prospects because Sitting here right now, the week ahead of the NFL Combine, obviously the Senior Bowl and all the other All-Star games have wrapped up. The you know um, pro days have not taken place, but I think a lot of these Sunbelt guys are sitting as day three players. Uh, and so I think this is a huge week for them to perhaps help their draft stock. But we're going to go through each one of these players one by one. We're going to start talking uh, with the, the three running backs. So let's start with Southern Miss running back Frank Gore Jr. And Here's a picture of Frank's career. He finishes as the top three rusher in program history, over 3,500 career yards. He recorded his first 1,000-yard rushing season uh, this year. Uh, he was named a second-team All-Sunbelt player, ran for 247 yards and two touchdowns against your boys from Boone earlier this year, and that was one of three games where he had two or more touchdowns. Caden, uh, he spent all four years in Hattiesburg. He, he also included setting an NCAA bowl record in that Lending Tree Bowl by rushing for over 300 yards against Rice. And I think the big storyline here for Frank Gore Jr., obviously son of legendary Frank Gore Sr., uh, was also the offensive MVP at the East-West Shrine Bowl. And Caden, uh, he finished there with six rushes, 87 yards, had a big 49-yard touchdown. And uh, I know he's had a great career, but you're excited about his NFL prospects. Yeah, there's no question about it. No, I do not know if Frank Gore Jr. is going to get selected in this draft. I pray he does, but I think there's no doubt that he will be wearing an NFL helmet and will have his shot one way or another when it comes to getting his shot to play in the league. But I just don't know if there's really 259 better football players in this draft pool compared to him. You're talking about pound for pound, especially his size isn't working in his favor, but just I don't think he's going to be necessarily an every down back, a power back at the next level. But this guy, when he touches the football, when his gloveless hands are touching the rock, whether he's throwing it, catching it or rushing the football, what he does best. I think there's just not many players that can do what he does when he has the ball in his hands. He makes magic happen. He's extremely patient, has a great feel for the game and is extremely elusive. And I think when it comes down to players like him and a lot of other skilled players in his position, that 40 yard dash is going to be huge for him in this combine. When you don't have that size at the level, necessarily the NFL level, you have to bring that speed to the table. And I think if he can rip off a fast 40 yard dash time of a lot more believers, but overall, I think I'm just very curious to see how his level of versatility and his play style translate to the NFL. He kind of looks like Cody Paul. Sometimes that people remember those old high school mixtapes of guys kind of just running laps around people. And you don't really see that translate to the NFL level or not. We saw it translate in the East West shrine game when he took the MVP of that game playing against a lot of college football's best players. So I believe he had more stock added to him with that performance. But I think he can continue to add to that stock with a very strong physical display at the combine, maybe ripping off a 4-4, kind of 40, 4-5, 40-yard dash. Yeah, I think that would be huge for Frank, obviously, you know, participating in things like the bench press as well and continuing to show that strength. Obviously, going up against NFL caliber talent in the future during a career in the league, it'll be interesting to see how he holds up uh, health-wise, I think, in the pros. but obviously an electric player in college and uh, you know, you love his ability to avoid tackles and, and be able to break big runs. So I think those are things that probably have NFL teams and general managers salivating when it comes to Frank Gore jr. But 
Kanan, from what I'm hearing right now, I think Frank Gore is kind of a, a possible day three selection. I'd be shocked to see him go higher than maybe a sixth round. And I think the big reason for that even is that pedigree. We mentioned his father, Frank Gore, and, and obviously his exploits at the NFL level. So I think that could definitely play uh, in the favor of Frank Gore Jr. here. But I think right now, if you had to ask me just from what I've read and some people I've talked to, he, he feels a little bit more like a likely seventh rounder, even an undrafted free agent uh, as we head into combine week. So I think it will be important for Frank Gore uh, to have a big NFL combine. You mentioned uh, the 40 there, I think will be key for Frank Gore Jr. Troy running back Kamani Vidal, though, Caden, you know, he comes into this draft process as Troy's all-time leading rusher after four seasons in Troy, Alabama. He's He was a top seven rusher in the country this last year, over 1,600 yards from scrimmage. He finished the year as Troy's single game, single season, and career rushing yards leader. And honestly, then he caps it off with probably the best game of his career, five touchdowns again against App State. They had some issues against uh, some of these good running backs at times. But uh, he was named the Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Year this year. It was the fourth time in his career that he has been an all-conference player. And, Gaten, he was responsible for over 4,000 yards during his four-year career, two 1,000-yard rushing games uh, to his name. And one of the big things I continue to hear as I talk to people who are invested in this process, they love that Kamani Baidal is a high-character guy. And I know you and I got to spend some time with him. He has been on this podcast before, and we would definitely echo that. I did hear from some scouts, too, that they love the fact that he played in the bowl game. You obviously see some people who opt out, and I think that shows some loyalty, and NFL teams definitely uh, you know, look at loyalty in this process. So I think if he put together, and he did put together a decent performance at the Senior Bowl, he had six rushes for 26 yards. So I think Kamani Baidal is definitely trending in the right direction in terms of the NFL draft process. He definitely is, no. And you mentioned the high character aspects he has when it comes to the interview process and the conversations he's going to have at the combine. You know he's going to knock those out of the park, but kind of like all running backs, wide receivers, defensive backs, a fast 40-yard dash is going to be a major key for Kamani. This is a guy who's a five foot seven and a half guy, 250 pounds, 15 pounds, has that short, stocky build that like everyone hates to tackle at the next level, at the college level. And he had an excellent showing at the senior bowl, like you mentioned. He didn't really have a ton of the stats and production within the game, but throughout the practices during the week, he did a really good job of showing off his explosiveness. He really impressed a lot of people with his catching ability as well. And I think he has to continue showing that at the combine when it comes to his route running, catching the ball cleanly and crisply, really showing overall fluidity to get help him up that draft stock a ton. I feel like running backs his size kind of have that stiffer game, that strong game. But I think Kamani has more fluidity and, and natural running back abilities and kind of that more versatility that you don't see necessarily with players at his position. This is a guy that's built kind of like Maurice Jones drew, but he reminds me of Craig Reynolds, a guy for the Detroit lions. Who we saw in hard knocks a couple of years ago. That was a power back who really can complement other speed backs and other rushers within your backfield as a good power third down back who can do pass protection as well. Maybe even have some special teams value as well, just given his kind of work ethic and his build and what he's capable of. So I'm excited for Kamani in this running back out of this running back room as a whole for the Sunbelt to just show that he's more than just that short, stocky, prototypical back you see at the next level. He brings a little bit more, and hopefully he can continue showing that and building on that senior bowl performance that he had earlier last month. Yeah, Kane, I think that the one thing you mentioned there that, it, that is definitely really interesting is his ability to pass block. Like He was one of the best pass-blocking running backs uh, in the Sunbelt this past year, and I think if he can translate that to the NFL, a league where we're seeing a lot more you know, shotgun, a lot more passing, uh, I think that definitely helps him perhaps, uh, you know, even on some of those later downs, maybe later on 
uh, in his career. I think the one knock right now that you hear about Kamani, and Caden, we've seen it in person, he obviously can break through those holes and, and break a big run, but he does tend to slow down a little bit, and he does have the ability to be caught uh, on those big runs at the end. So uh, there's definitely some questions about his game. I think you know you mentioned, too, just the number of yards that he's rushed for. There's definitely uh, a lot of tread on those tires, to use uh, that phrase. So It'll be interesting to see. He's a little bit older than maybe the average running back that comes out. He's 22. I think NFL teams love those guys who are 21 coming out after their junior year, particularly with a position that at the end of the day does not have uh, a long shelf life. But from what I'm hearing right now, it seems like he's trending towards a late day three selection. I think there's even a chance that Kamani maybe goes undrafted uh, in the NFL draft. But I do think if he does end up going undrafted here, which is not guaranteed, for, you know, particularly with a big combine week perhaps coming up, but um, I think he's going to be picked up pretty quickly. This is a guy that probably will have a career in the NFL as part of a running back by committee. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how his career plays out. But Marshall running back Rasheen Ali, and I know this is a guy that you're excited to talk about. You kind of feel like maybe is a mix of the other two running backs. Uh, that we just talked about, but he's a two-time all-conference guy. He was first team in Conference USA in 2021 as a freshman. He was second team this year in the Sun Belt. You go back to that COVID freshman year that he had in 2021, and it has the makings of you know legendary type stuff. He was tied for the FBS lead with 23 rushing touchdowns, ran for over 1,400 yards, but then injuries began to creep in, and we saw him miss most of that 2022 season with that that knee injury did return at the end, uh, played in all but or missed all but three games, but did bounce back, had that MVP performance in the Myrtle Beach Bowl against UConn. And then 2023, Caden, at times looked like vintage Rasheen Ali, especially early on in the year, goes on to finish the year with 15 rushing touchdowns, a little over 1,100 yards uh, from the line of scrimmage. There was that period when Marshall wasn't playing great football in you know, October, November, where he kind of got lost a little bit in that offense, but still ended the year with six multi-touchdown games. And Caden, I think the biggest thing is we're not expecting to see Rasheen Ali participate here at the Combine after he tore his biceps tendon uh, at the Reese Senior Bowl. So I think that hurts him a lot. And ultimately, it's going to keep him out of the Combine. And it does not allow some of these decision makers another look here at Rasheen Ali ahead of April's draft. Yeah, just a tough one for Rasheen Ali. This is a guy you've talked about, has had some injuries throughout his college career and tearing your bicep at the senior bowl definitely doesn't help that. But you mentioned it. This is a guy that's a perfect combination, I think, of the two prior running backs we mentioned that will be in the combine for the Sun Belt. He has what Frank Gore doesn't necessarily have in size, and he has what Kamani Vidal doesn't necessarily have in versatility. This is a guy who's 5'11", 210 pounds. He was drawing comparisons to Reggie Bush in his very first bowl game as a freshman for the performance he put on against Louisiana. But this is a guy who can return kicks. He returned a kickoff for a touchdown against Hap State. I remember a couple of years ago, he's caught 40, he caught 46 passes out of the backfield as a true freshman. And it's a shame that he had to pull out of the senior bowl because of that injury, because he was really showing some special things at the senior bowl in practices. I don't know if he's going to be able to do anything in the combine other than interview and hopefully raise his stock from a character standpoint, but there's no question he would have definitely benefited from running a 40-yard dash because this guy has some elite speed that every offense is looking for. If he breaks to that second or third level, it's almost guaranteed to be a touchdown. You can see that through his touchdown numbers throughout his career, but he's a super fluid do-it-all kind of back who really was able to show off some of that skill set at the senior bowl with his route running as well. He was having it to where the linebackers couldn't really guard him. He's a scoring machine. He's sudden, he's explosive. He really jumps off the page at film. And I hope this in, in, in injury doesn't help set him back 
too much when we get to see him play on Sundays because there's no question that he's still capable of that. This guy's super well-rounded in the pass game, in the run game, in and out of the tackles. He's a guy who does it all, and he's a do-it-all back. And you don't really see that as much in today's game of football where there's a lot of specialists. Rasheen Ali's an every down back that can get the job done in his film speaks for itself and you just have to hope that that film can carry him through this draft process and hopefully he still gets that opportunity to put an NFL helmet helmet on and showcase his abilities. Yeah, Caden, I think to your point, there's no denying that uh, Rasheen Ali probably has the the highest ceiling, uh, you know, in terms of running backs uh, in this class coming out of the Sun Belt. And I think you could maybe even argue that outside of perhaps like a Javon Solomon at Troy, who I think a lot of NFL people like, I think Rasheen Ali might have the highest ceiling of any of the prospects heading into uh, April's draft in terms of the Sun Belt, but Caden, I think you know as you mentioned, the injury definitely hurts him. Mel Kiper had him as his number seven running back on the big board ahead of this 2024 NFL draft. Some services have said Rashin Ali could be as high as a, a fourth round pick, but I think the the injury is probably going to dampen that, and that's unfortunate for Rashin. I think you're probably staring down at a sixth or a seventh round pick at this point, and maybe even an undrafted free agency. Fortunately, that. You know, biceps tendon is something that you can recover from. At least it's not like a lower body injury, but uh, that definitely is going to hurt Rasheen Ali's draft stock, unfortunately. But uh, this is still one of the most talented running backs at the group of five. Moving on, though, to some offensive linemen, we will start with Marshall offensive lineman Ethan Driscoll. And Kanan, offensive linemen are hard to judge oftentimes because it's not like they have a ton of stats. You can subscribe to Pro Football Focus and maybe dig a little bit uh, deeper in if you're uh, a true football nerd. But uh, when you look at Ethan Driscoll, he was a third-team all-sunbelt offensive lineman this year. He played over 900 snaps at left tackle for Marshall. Last year, he helped lead what was the Sunbelt's best or second-best rushing attack, rather, paving the way for guys like Kalen LeBourne and uh, Rasheen Ali, who we just got done talking about. But, Kanan, this is a guy who played left tackle for over 1,600 snaps in his career. So, He's obviously well accustomed to playing that position. He did it over the last two seasons, but he also had some opportunities at right tackle early on in his in his career. Could you even see him maybe slide inside to the guard position? I think that'll be interesting to pay attention to. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see where Ethan Driscoll shakes out here in this NFL draft process. Yeah, it's definitely good that Ethan has that ability to play on the right side and the left side, protect either blind side of a right or left-handed quarterback moving forward in his career. But this guy has off the chart size. I mean, this is a humongous dude at six foot eight, 312 pounds. That size alone is going to get the attention of NFL teams. I mean, who doesn't want an offensive tackle that big? And he fully uses his size to his advantage when you when you when you watch him play and it he plays with that attitude that you definitely want from your offensive lineman finishing blocks, playing with a lot of aggression. And he's pretty light on his feet for his size. He can get out and move in the screen games on jet sweeps on the outside zone that Marshall likes to run a lot. And he just absolutely engulfs blockers with his size in the run game. In the pass blocking game, he uses length to his advantage, but he definitely needs to play a little bit more balanced and show better hand placement on the neck at the next level. Some stuff he could get away with maybe in the Sunbelt Conference. He won't necessarily be able to do at the next level, but he had a solid week at the senior bowl at some reverse some of the nation's best edge rushers and pass rushers. And I think at the combine, he just has to continue to show his pad level getting down. I think that's going to be the biggest key for him. It's not easy when you're six foot eight to get your pad level low, but if he's able to do that a little bit better, show some more fluidity and athleticism to pair with that freaky size, he's going to have great upside. I think for a lot of NFL teams looking for an offensive tackle in this draft, he's a big development guy. And I think in this draft, the more he can show that he's a, or in the combine rather, he can show he's a fluid athlete that has a lot of those foundational tools you want in your offensive lineman, the better off he'll be when April comes around. 
Yeah, and Caden, again, to you know, to kind of further that point, some of the scouts and people around the league that I spoke with, uh, you know, ahead of this episode, one of the things that you know you hear is you know things like the Senior Bowl, things like the Combine. They're they're steps in the process, and he obviously did perform well at the Senior Bowl. And you're going against some of the best talent out there, and you can't always say that when you're playing week in and week out uh, against some of the teams in the Sun Belt. You're not going up against. Uh, elite rusher. So I definitely think he's helped himself and could further help himself uh, with another big performance uh, in Indianapolis at the combine. But as of right now, it seems like he's probably a, a day three pick, a late day three pick, or more than likely an undrafted free agent that gets picked up. And I think you summarized it best. This is a project type player, but has the size. And I think if you if he latches on with the right team, this is a guy who probably has a career playing in the National Football League simply because uh, of the size that you mentioned that is, quite frankly, off the charts. And if given the opportunity to expand on that, I think uh, he will be a very good NFL player. Louisiana offensive lineman Nate Thomas, Caden, he uh, is another well-respected left tackle. We mentioned Driscoll you know, a few moments ago, but uh, he graded out around a 75 this year, according to PFF, which is probably a little bit lower. Uh, then you would like he played almost 1,800 snaps at left tackle during his career. He helped lead a pretty resurgent, though, Louisiana rushing attack uh, this past year to a, a top three finish in the league after they had dropped uh, a couple of notches down to seventh the year before. So definitely good in the run game. He was an honorable mention all Sunbelt pick this year and became the starter at left tackle in 2022. And Kaden, I think one thing to keep an eye on, this is a player who did sit out that New Orleans Bowl uh, in that loss to Jacksonville State, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how NFL teams uh, look at that decision for Nate Thomas. Yeah, just like Ethan Driscoll, there's no question that Nate Thomas looks the part. This is a guy who's 6'4", 330 pounds, and he played a really clean brand of football this year. He hardly gets penalized, and he wins in the situations that you kind of want to see your left tackle win at. When he's asked kind of to block a half a man, he bulldozes people. He takes edge rushers out of the picture completely if they get too wide on their alignment. So I think he did a great job of blitz recognition as well and pickup. And at the combine, he'll just have to show off his athleticism. His feet can get heavy at times. He struggled to show some lateral quickness and agility and some of that hip flexibility. And similar to Ethan, he had some inconsistent pad level at times and kind of struggled this season with explosive edge rushers. When you think of a guy like Richard Jubiner having kind of a field day on him, he didn't do well against Minnesota, a power five team. So I think he would have done great if he had an opportunity to play in a bowl game like the senior bowl against some of the best talent to prove that. But going into the combine now, he just has to prove that he looks more than just the part physically. He's a very high ceiling guy, another developmental type of lineman. And I think the more fluid and natural he can look in this combine, the better off he's going to be moving forward. But just like Ethan, two tackles, I think, in this conference are coming out of the sun, but with a lot of potential. Now they're kind of they're the kind of building guys that offensive line coaches at the NFL level can see. And if they see enough of that glimmer of hope, they see that potential, you can draft this guy or pick them up with the hopes of molding him into a potential NFL bona fide offensive tackle. Kane, I've never asked this question to people in this process, but it, it would feel like that guys on that offensive line, maybe that defensive line, uh, opportunities like the Senior Bowl, like the Combine, are huge for them because you're going up against uh, you know, some of the best of the best because I think that that can be a knock on people and things you know, really uh, get figured out when you're going up against some of the best at the opposite position. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how Nate Thomas performs uh, at the NFL Combine. Troy linebacker Javon Solomon, Caden, is a player that I think has the highest ceiling of perhaps any Sunbelt prospect. I mentioned Rasheen Ali earlier, but I think due to Rasheen Ali's injury, 
I think Javon Solomon might have the highest ceiling heading into April's NFL draft. He was an all Sunbelt performer uh, for the third time in his career this year. It was the second time he's had first team honors. Leads the Sunbelt in sacks with 16 this year and finished the year with 16 sacks, 18 TFLs. And Caden, what a career it's been for Javon Solomon. 33 sacks, 49 and a half TFLs. I know you and I have got a chance to stand next to him before and he looks the part uh, of an NFL player, but PFF graded him amongst the best edge rushers in the Sun Belt this year. His grade was sitting at just over 90. Uh, he had his best game in a huge game, and that was in the championship game. Two and a half TFLs, two sacks. He had two forced fumbles, a fumble recovery uh, against App State in that Sun Belt championship game. And Kaden Javon, much like his teammate Kamani Vidal, who we spoke about earlier on in this episode, is another guy that the scouts just rave about his character and the type of person. I know we can echo that uh, in terms of who he is as an individual. Uh, he had a nice senior bowl with a pair of tackles, and I think a, a good combine here, some good strength and good play against some of these other people uh, could go a, a really long way in helping Javon Solomon's draft stock. Yeah, no, you mentioned it with the high ceiling. I mean, this guy is a bona fide and certified pass rusher. You don't lead the nation with 16 sacks by accident. He has a very interesting frame. This guy's only six feet tall, 247 pounds at the senior bowl. He was kind of the shortest and lightest defensive lineman, but we know he plays that edge position and that edge position just comes with a lot of body type shapes and sizes. He has an 80 inch wingspan and he's extremely explosive and he used that to his advantage at the senior bowl. He had an amazing burst off the football, which impressed scouts, which was kind of a question going into the week, but he used his side and speed, size and speed to his advantage all week at the senior bowl. He won a ton of one-on-one -on -one reps against a lot of the best offensive tackles in the nation and guys who are just, let's admit, this is an amazing tackle class and he did some really good stuff against those guys, winning reps with his speed and his finesse. And at the next level, it's looking like he'll be a specialty and situational pass rusher. But I think with certain drills in the combine, He'll have the potential to show that he might have every down potential and be able to fit in the scheme of a defense who maybe asks a little bit more of him outside of just rushing the quarterback on a third down. If he can do some linebacker drills, show some different coverage abilities, this could be a guy at the combine who could really raise his stock by showing some more versatility and every down ability when it comes to playing at the next level. So I don't really see him being in a, just an effective run stopper when it comes to being in the NFL, but I think his floor is just a toolsy explosive edge rusher that's going to give any kind of defensive or offensive tackle rather problems. And I'm just super excited to see where he fits in the league and if he can continue to raise his stock and raise that ceiling at the next level. Yeah, Kane, I think that there is definitely a spot uh, in the NFL for Javon Solomon because of that unique uh, elements of size and speed. He's got an interesting body type that I think uh, could play really well. And Caden, even if he only ends up being a third down guy who's rushing the quarterback, uh, he's still probably going to be good for five plus sacks per year. I just think he's he's that elite at his ability uh, to get past offensive lines and get to the quarterback. So I think that'll be interesting. Mel Kuyper, speaking to kind of what you have said, likes the upside here. And, you know, as you mentioned, he is kind of being looked at as an outside linebacker heading into the league. Mel Kuyper's got him as his 10th best outside linebacker in this class. And I said it earlier, I think he's probably has the highest ceiling uh, in this Sunbelt draft class outside of someone like uh, Rasheen Ali when he's healthy. Um, but, you know, as of right now, it feels like he's got the chance to be the highest draft pick in the Sunbelt, maybe an early day three guy, which would be, uh, you know, mid to late fourth round. Uh, but I do think by mid day three, you're probably going to see uh, Javon Solomon picked by an NFL team and uh, probably will have a, a good career in the NFL moving forward. Georgia State linebacker John Trey Hunter, though, Caden, is another really interesting prospect. This is a guy that 
scouts have talked about all year long in the league. They really like uh, who he is as a player. And, and how can you not? This is a three-year starter at linebacker in the Sun Belt for Georgia State. He did relocate to the inside linebacker role this season uh, for the Panthers, but he spent his first five years at outside linebacker. So I think there's a lot of versatility there. And even despite the transition this year, he still led Georgia State in tackles with 96, which is top 10 in program history. He's named a third-team all-conference guy and finishes his career with over 230 career tackles. And Kane, one of the things that I love when I watch John Trey Hunter in his game he, is he has a knack for creating chaos. You look at his career numbers, three career interceptions, three career fumble recoveries. He's Georgia State's all-time leader with seven forced fumbles. So he does the things that NFL teams like. That's getting to the football and breaking it loose, perhaps creating uh, those game-changing plays. He did skip Georgia State's bowl game, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how that plays in the draft process. But, uh, Kane, I think the combine presents a huge opportunity for a very toolsy guy like John Trey Hunter. Yeah, no, when you talk about John Trey, the strength and speed is going to be what he needs to put on display at this combine. He is an extremely fluid athlete. He doesn't have all that explosiveness of some of the top end linebackers in this class. So he can, if he can be strong, be fast, the fluidity of the drills is going to be there. It's going to be about those measurables. And if you can bring that to the table, because like you mentioned, the football IQ is out the roof for this guy and the versatility and just his ability to be a defensive football player in that front seven has been proven. You mentioned him playing outside linebacker his whole career, flipping to inside linebacker and being able to excel in both roles. That's huge for his draft stock, being able to show the ability to thrive at multiple positions. He plays well in space and he tackles well in space. You mentioned he led Georgia State with 94 tackles this season. He just has a great knack and knows for the football. You mentioned those seven career force fumbles in program history. Three of them came this season. One of them came against LSU in a game where he was asked to be the quarterback spy. And I don't know if anyone's been living under a rock, but the quarterback for LSU was pretty good last year in Jaden Daniels. And if you're the guy on your defense who's being asked to spy a guy like Jaden Daniels, that just shows your athleticism, your trust within the system and how important you are to your defensive scheme. So I think as far as all of the intangibles, all of the football IQ stuff, all of the mental game from the neck up, Dontre has proven and more than proven at Georgia State that he can do that at the high level. The question is going to be, how does he stack up athletically as far as strength and speed to these other linebackers in a class that I've heard is also pretty good? Yeah, Caden, and to your point, Mel Kuyper right now, as I said earlier, has him you know, listed as a, a top 10 inside linebacker. So I think there's a lot of people around the NFL that like John Trey Hunter, and he could definitely uh, benefit from a huge combine. I think right now, heading into the combine, he's a likely day three pick like most of these guys in the Sun Belt. Uh, I think he could be as low as a sixth or seventh rounder, maybe even an undrafted free agent. But there's a huge opportunity here for a very toolsy linebacker in John Trey Hunter to make a big statement up in Indianapolis and perhaps help his draft stock. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. We hope you enjoyed our NFL Combine preview show. Don't forget, we'll be back on Tuesday. We've promised you a mailbag for a while now. It's been long enough. We're going to have our long-awaited off-season mailbag. I know, Caden, you're already excited about this. And if you'd like to submit a question about Sunbelt football, football in general, and we're even going to try something new. If you want any you know, life advice or any career advice, uh, feel free to drop those in the mailbag as well by emailing us at prairiensmith at gmail.com. We're certainly looking forward to answering your questions on the show. That'll do it for us here at the Prairie and Smith podcast. Here's one thing you can do for us. Continue telling your friends about the show, but take a moment to subscribe to the show on YouTube. We're continuing to grow our footprint here, uh, and we're excited about continuing to build this Sunbelt football community. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Prairie. Thanks for spending more time with us. 
Uh, we will talk to you again on Tuesday.